Hello, welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and if this is your first time stopping by, I'd like to say thanks so much for tuning in. It really does mean a lot, honestly, from the bottom of my heart that folks check out the show and enjoy it enough to come back. So if this is you coming back and checking out yet another episode, again, my heart goes out to you. I wanted to thank you and say I appreciate you. And also that, uh, you know, really... One of the things that I'm consistently trying to advocate for, especially on this show, is, uh, you know, a necessity for interconnectedness, a necessity for solidarity, and a necessity for community. So if for whatever reason you want to reach out, you know, I don't really care what, if you just want to get a hold of me, there's a few different ways you can do it. If you want to just let me how the sh- let me know how the show is, you can just go right ahead and leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you would rather let me know a little bit more about either what you think of the show, what you think of my takes, what you think of my analysis, what you think of certain topics I've gone over, you can DM me or, you know, comment on one of my posts on my social media. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm far more frequently on Twitter and Instagram uh, throughout the day especially, but uh, I do try to post everywhere frequently enough that, you know, I can keep up a community, but ultimately the goal of this is not to have a social media presence, but to build relationships. So if you would like, you know, to reach out and maybe go into a little bit about that, maybe discuss... uh, some things that you've done yourself or go over some shows, some books, some content that you've enjoyed, or even if you want to just give me a long-form analysis of whatever, you can reach out to me through email, uh, which is indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces there. So now that we got that out of the way, I would like to say again, thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It really does mean a lot. I hope you enjoy the show today. Um, we have a bit of stuff to talk about that we're going to try to hit on briefly and then finish off on the high note. But today we're talking about some ongoing movements around the world, as well as this slogan that has appeared before. Um, but now seems to be uh, coming to the fore once again as a uh, you know popular slogan, which is abolish NATO. Now, for those of you who don't know, which would probably be all of us, including me, up until about an hour ago when I googled it, the. North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is NATO, or North Atlantic Trade Organization, excuse me, is described, self-described on their website as a military allegiance. And so in the spirit of that, 
when their website says the uh, the NATO states find that an attack on one is an attack on all, we can begin to understand the level of severity and importance that the ongoing conflict between the Ukrainian Kiev government and the Russian government ultimately has a much more catastrophic uh, worldwide level of danger. We have to understand that if we look at what is going on in Ukraine, we see yet another attempt by the U.S.-backed capitalist and imperialist nations globally who insist on destroying the sovereignty and the democracy of independent nations across the world. The Ukrainian people recently, in 2014, had elected a government that may or may not have been to any of our particular liking. But at the same time, the difference being that the government that is in place now in Russia is, or excuse me, in Ukraine, the Kiev government is inherently anti-Russian. It is incredibly against any form of cooperation and participation with the Russian people that does not lead towards the power and wealth accumulation of the Ukrainian government, especially of the sectors of the Ukrainian government that have been placed there under the influence or information of U.S., U.N., or capitalist imperialist states. This much has to be clearly understood when we look at the geopolitical and geostrategic ways in which this conflict is going to aid the United States government. If we look at how incredibly important an ongoing and ever-present presence, (laughs) I, I, I kind of fucked myself by saying it the way I did, but an ongoing presence by the United States in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine, in the South China Sea, in Taiwan, and in Japan, we have a encircling of the East by the West. This is not the first time. Y'all remember the Cold War? But this is the issue you want to talk about, is the fact that What is happening all throughout the region, there are serious, serious contradictions, inequalities, and struggles, which millions of both Ukrainian and Russian people are suffering under their current governments. But there is an ongoing movement by international nation states 
which is demanding that the United States, Russia, France, Germany, Britain, and all these other nations uphold the United Nations Charter. We need international peace. We need international sovereignty. We need the Ukrainian, the Russian, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Eastern people to be able to decide for themselves what governments, what government styles, what military interactions, what economic foundations, what sociological and political interactions they will or will not allow. This cannot be allowed to be misconstrued to say that the Ukrainian government is right in its actions against the Russian people at the border. This is not to say that we must support and allow the Ukrainian Kiev government, which is actively supported by neo-Nazi and far-right sectors within the population, can be allowed to continue its uh, increasing uh, population and militarization of uh, the border between the Ukraine and Russia. We have to understand that Russia, as a former Soviet state, has a long history of preparing for invasion and readying itself for war. The Russian people have had to fight tooth and nail since 1905 by just about any account in order to hope that one day they will be able to be free. This is also not to say that we must 100% support the Russian government and the Putin administration. Vladimir Putin is in fact the elected leader of the Russian people. Now, that is not saying these elections are, uh, you know, 100% accurate or democratic. That much is for sure. Uh, that is not to say that these elections are anything that we should want to uh, praise or support here in the United States. But it is to say that it is up to the Russian people in Russia to decide how the Russian election went and how they are going to resolve the contradictions and the ongoing reality since the most recent election. This also means that the Ukrainian people must be given the sovereignty and the support needed to allow them to fight for their own reality within the Ukraine. We as U.S. citizens should have absolutely no involvement in the internal affairs of foreign nations other than giving support to the people. 
the United States government, the British, French, Australian, Japanese governments have no right involving themselves in the sovereign and internal affairs of any other nation except for their own. But NATO and AUKUS and the four point uh, allegiance, I believe it's called. Vijay Prashad brings it up, so excuse me if I got the name wrong. But all of these, quote, trade organizations are trading a very particular type of commodity arms. They are selling guns to Saudi Arabia. They are selling guns to Ukraine. They are selling guns to the French, British, and Australian colonial and imperial powers. They are sending nuclear submarines to the Australian government so as to be able to place them in the South China Sea with warheads pointed directly at the Chinese people. Not the Chinese. You can't point a gun at a government. You can't point a a missile at a government. You point a missile at land. You point a gun at people. People who have lives. Land that has people who deserve to live, not die, not see another conflict, not go to war, not endure another cold war, not endure continuing sanctions, blockades, and other forms of economic coercion and manipulation by the United States and the United Nations. It must be the case that we fight and demand international solidarity and internationalist cooperation based on the wants, needs, and the demands of the international populace, not the international ruling class. In discussing this, we must look to international movements happening all over the world. We spoke briefly about the ongoing crises in the Ukraine. We spoke briefly about the encircling of the Chinese people. We must also speak about the ongoing movements in what we might call the Global South. The Barbados Labor Party has recently won yet another landslide election, which has placed Mia Motley, or Maya Motley, excuse me if I mispronounced it, as the Prime Minister of Barbados for yet another term. I would like to include here just briefly that I have recently finished a book by Stella Dadzi, which is titled A Kick in the Belly. Now, this book goes over the suffering, the torture, the rape, the molestation, the death, the destruction, and the enslavement of African people. But it more importantly speaks about the way in which enslaved African women and non-men participated and were used by the transatlantic slave trade as well as the 
colonial powers and the slave-based societies after the supposed uh, illegalization of the slave trade. Barbados was one of the most prominent of the British uh, and European slave colonies. You had Jamaica, you had Barbados, you had Grenada, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. You had plenty of nations throughout the Caribbean which were made into what is called slave colonies, meaning that the planter population that had originally came and taken over the land had then gone and imported enslaved people to replace the indigenous uh, enslaved folks who had either ran away, been killed by centuries of massacres, disease, torture, and enslavement, or just plainly refused to work and so ran away and were able to properly combat the invading forces of the colonial empire. In Barbados, the deep-seated nature of slavery cannot be ignored. The history of Barbados as a sovereign nation has only, since colonization, really recently been able to begin again. Only about a year ago, I believe, it was the Barbados Labor Party and the Barbados people who, led by Prime Minister Motley, officially removed the Queen of England as the head of state and took down the Union Jack and began to fly high the flag of Barbados. This is, you know, to some, ceremonious. But to others who have been colonized for hundreds of years, whose parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, uncles, cousins, have lived in a world where they and their ancestors were seen as nothing but slaves seen as nothing but lesser than animals, lesser than tools and equipment, more disposable, more capable of being tossed aside than a a broken piece of equipment. Because to the slave drivers, the slave holders, and the slave states, such as Britain, America, Canada, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, and plenty of others, these human beings were not seen as such. The incredible and historical movement by the people of Barbados and the Prime Minister to denounce British colonialism, imperialism, and enslavement cannot and will not be held at this level of understanding that can only see these things as ceremonious. This is a step. This is a stage. This is a movement towards liberation and towards popular 
people's power. In Ghana, when Martin Luther King Jr., Patrice Lumumba, and plenty of other African people globally were invited to the day of celebration for Ghanan independence. This cannot just be called a ceremony. This cannot just be called an event. This is a revolutionary stride by colonized and imperialized exploited people who are demanding and taking hold of their destiny for a new tomorrow. It might not be exactly what we drafted up in our head for it to be, but this is, in fact, nothing less than the people of Barbados taking hold of their destiny and wielding it for a new and better society. If we look also to places like Honduras, where Xiomara Castro was recently elected to become the president through the Partido Libre Honduras, we see yet another struggle, which cannot be said to be anything less than the Honduran people, yet again, similar to the people of Barbados, taking control. There is much to be won. There is much to be fought for. But the Xiomara Castro administration, who was recently put under attack by ministers of the own of their own party who have gone against the wills and the wants of the Honduran people must be denounced, must be seen as a clear attempt by reactionary forces to pigeonhole and stop the ongoing march towards liberation and true democracy under a capitalist system, global system, so as close to a true democracy as one can get under a sovereign nation, which is subject to a global capitalist hegemonic world power, but nonetheless the democratic power which has yet to be seen in many years in not only Honduras, not only Barbados, but all across the global south, all across the Caribbean and Latin America, all across the imperialized and colonized nations of the world. We also see in places like Colombia, where violence against social activists has gone on the rise. Anywhere between 8 and 12 social leaders have been killed in just the first month of 2022 by reactionary, military, and police forces who stand against the liberatory struggle of the Colombian people against the U.S. and capitalist-backed puppet regime that has time and time again been removed and replaced 
by the people and the United States of America. The United States of America and the Central Intelligence Agency have a certain process by which they love to participate in in sovereign nations. This process is known as hybrid war. It's known as regime change. It's known as many different things. But what it comes down to is a combination of each and every form of repression, exploitation, and assault are used by foreign and internal powers to fight, to resist, and to uh, ultimately kill and put down any revolutionary or radical movement that happens all across the global south. It has happened throughout the years in Africa, and it is ongoing today. If we look at the U.S. involvement in Eritrea and Ethiopia, if we look at the U.S. involvement with the security forces in Mali, in Sudan, in Burkina Faso, and especially not necessarily the United States involvement, because in a lot of cases the United States might be the financial or arms backer to some of these movements, but not always. If we look at places like Burkina Faso, we look at French imperialism, French imperialism, which the uh, Burkinabe people have been fighting against since uh, Thomas Sankara demanded and stood strong for a upright and sovereign independent struggle against French imperialism, against capitalist and imperialist encroachment on the African continent, as well as an internal battle between African nations and peoples. All of these struggles must be seen as connected. All of these struggles must be seen as capitalist and imperialist expansionism as well as new forms and new attempts by the state to take hold of power, to take hold of the economy, to take hold of the labor force, of the markets, and of the masses. If we look in places like South Africa, in Kenya, in uh, Swaziland, we see ongoing movements led by the people. We see movements like the one by the Kenyan Metal Workers, or excuse me, the South African Metal Workers Union, the largest union in South Africa. We see movements by huge dairy and agricultural firms where workers have been suffering, been tortured, been uh, brutalized under the conditions of exploitative and oppressive labor by these capitalist and imperialist powers for centuries. Centuries. The ongoing lawsuit against Nestle, Mars, and Hershey about their child slavery and child labor, which has been used for countless decades throughout Africa is now all of a sudden being ignored because we all want to talk about green M&Ms, which I would like to take my official stance here. I am 100% 
Pro sexy boots on each and every M&M, not just the green M&M, while also being explicitly against child slavery and labor, which is being conducted by Hershey's, by Mars, and by Nestle. I also think that a lot of us need to look at this not as some, you know, shitty labor practice by some random fucking corporation, but as ongoing slavery, which is being upheld and profited on by some of the largest international foodstuff corporations in the fucking world. These folks don't just make chocolate bars, and they don't just make a few either. (laughs) Nestle, uh, Hershey, and Mars are some of the wealthiest chocolate uh, corporations in the world, Uh, you know, beating out some of the former uh, Nordic uh, imperialist chocolate uh, empires of the world. And I think, actually, aren't... I don't know. I don't know if these country or if these corporations are originally based in the United States, but I know <coughs> Nestle or <coughs> yeah, Nestle specifically, I think basically bought up <coughs> and took ownership of most of these <coughs> uh global chocolate firms worldwide. Uh I think also as well as uh uh Sugar, cane sugar, I think Nestle might have a decent stock in. And also, I think they have a decent stock in um, coffee production, right? I could be wrong, but these corporations, they're not just making a few hundred dollars, yo. Like, these corporations are billions, if not trillions of dollars strong and are actively influencing the media so as to avoid mass attention on their ongoing child labor lawsuits. I would say if the time was ever to stop eating chocolate, to boycott these companies, now might be a very, very, very crucial time. And I know that seems insignificant. But one of the largest movements that took place across Europe during the transatlantic slave trade was the boycott on sugar production. That was a huge movement. And so if we can start like something like that, that's one step. Again, all we have to do is take steps towards what we're going for. We can't expect because, you know... We read a few books and, uh, you know, we watch the right news sources and we have a podcast or we listen to podcasts that like, okay, as soon as we get involved, we're going to be able to just snap our fingers and here comes the movement. No, I mean, if we look at the West, if we look at the United States, a majority of the population at least was unwilling to openly and materially support 
the movements against uh, police brutality, mass imprisonment, and abuse of black, brown, and indigenous people. We have a lot of groundwork to lay. We have a lot of stuff we need to do. And if, you know, we think that, for example, the international uh, association that, I forgot the name of the group, it it was uh, ultimately uh, begun by the um, Spirit of Mandela Foundation, along with other internationalist organizations um, spearheaded by folks like Jaleel Muntakim, who found the United States guilty of genocide, stuff like that, stuff like a chocolate boycott, stuff like an Amazon boycott. It seems insignificant and it seems impossible, but ultimately it is a step towards what we need to be doing, and it is honestly more than most of us are doing at all. So if we're unwilling to even just stop buying chocolate, are you really a fucking socialist? Are you really a communist? Do you really care about these people? I don't know. But anyways, I got a minute here to wrap up, so I just want to say this. We have to demand an abolition of the North Atlantic Trade Organization of the Australian United Kingdom and United States Trade Agreement. We have to demand an end to nuclear proliferation. We have to demand an end to anything other than international relations that are based on the UN Charter that was signed by the United States the French government, the British government, the Portuguese government, I believe. And we have to begin to develop a new form of international relation and cooperation, which does not lead towards war, which does not lead towards conflict, which does not lead towards international or foreign involvement in internal affairs of a sovereign nation. We have to be fighting also here on Turtle Island for an abolition of what we call the United States of America. We have to demand that the sovereign and independent indigenous nations of Turtle Island be granted full land back, be granted full sovereignty, and that the United States of America ceases to exist. Now, you're not going to get legislation to pass. You're not going to take that to the Supreme Court, but you can try. And if and when those fail, you can realize that ultimately what we need is on the ground, grassroots involvement, and whatever comes of it is what we need to fight for. We have to fight for everything in our power to denounce and demand an abolition of these systems, these structures, and these states. We have to demand an end to imperialism and we have to build an anti-imperialist movement. We must learn from the movements of the 60s and 70s. We must learn from the revolutions in Latin America, in Africa, and in Asia. We must learn from the Russian, the Chinese, 
the Cuban, the Nicaraguan, the uh, uh, ongoing Philippine revolution. And we have to see how all of these can be learned from, can be adapted to our conditions, and how we can get moving now. We have a world to win, my friends, and we have people to save. We must give human beings the dignity and power to control their own destiny. We must fight for proletarian internationalism and proletarian dictatorship. Our only option is revolution, and you all know it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and stay revolutionary. We will see you next time. Peace. I actually, sorry, uh, if you're still listening to this, I had an extra minute here, and I wanted to mention real quick that, you know, a lot of us, because I talked about in my last episode about, like, anxiety and depression and how they kind of correlate with organizing, a lot of us really don't know how we can fucking get involved. Um, so there's a few things I want to, uh, suggest that you do. Uh, please go look up free Leonard Peltier, uh, reach out to the campaign and ask them how you can help for the ongoing, uh, February 6th or excuse me, February 7th event, which is supposed to demand, uh, freedom for Leonard Peltier, who was arrested for an alleged, uh, death of a FBI agent who was killed on Pine Ridge, who he was accused of killing. And ultimately, as you know, many people have been demanding now for 39 years, going to be 40 on February 6th, uh, there is no evidence to prove this is so. Uh, In fact, the evidence points uh, away from Leonard. And so if we know that we want to get involved in these movements, I emailed them. They're going to send me like postcards and like flyers to hang up. And they asked that on February 7th, I go stand outside of a federal building and, you know, just hand that shit out to people. But if you have an ongoing indigenous movement in your area or you have organizations that call themselves socialist or, you know, communist, then you need to get them to do a demonstration if they're not already. If you know anything about Mumia Abu-Jamal, you must know that new evidence has come to the forefront and also his health has deteriorated as has Leonard Peltier's. And so Mumia is also quite possibly up for uh, release. But these things we must know historically have only succeeded when the masses have made a movement that demanded and did not retreat until those demands were met that these people are free. Up until this day, the United States government maintains that it holds no political prisoners, and we must know this is not true, so we must fight to make it so. Long live the American Indian movement. Long live move. Long live the revolutionary struggles for black, brown, and indigenous liberation. And long live people who now every single day are further and further away from a period in time where this was not just an idea but an ongoing struggle if we want that to become true again today we have to build that ourselves peace